Support for Eagles Enemies is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 2.0, very similar to how we hope Howie Roseman has sat down with this Eagles front office and constructed the ultimate roster. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes. So you can take a longer, you can shave for the duration of one and a half football games. That simple. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology that's about as fast as the Eagles wide receivers will be running down the field all season long catching passes from Carson Wentz. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by the simple USB. If you are listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours and get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Like I said, get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code USP. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get into Season 3, Episode 1 of Eagles Enemies. Presented by Underground Sports, Philadelphia. Reach out, it could be better than a fantasy. I got my levels out of place last night was a long one Looking for a quick fix, looking for a shortcut But if I want a game plan uh, for the long run What do I bring to the table, said dumb luck There's a good chance the last thing I pick up Will show up in my sleep and crash all my dreams With some shit I won't repeat Cause it's not what I'm proud of Some heaviness, some pettiness, some things I'm ashamed of That sense, I just wanted to make sure it wasn't hollow <laughs> How's everything right, how's- going? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, happy New Year to you before you get likewise, to it. <laughs> likewise. Hey, at least the, the team you cover is uh, potentially going to the playoffs. Well, at least with the team you cover, they, they have a chance to do some damage to a lot of people's hopes down here. <laughs> <laughs> On both sides of things, whichever oh, way you want to look man. at it as an Eagles fan. It, it it's this is Listen, nobody down here feels good about this game at all. Really? Everybody. No, no. People are honestly most people that I've talked spoken with fan wise, 
they think that they're going to lose. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll obviously we'll talk about it, but, um, I just, I just think that Hurst is the kind of quarterback that gives, um, gives, you know, this, this, this defense as great as they've been, they've struggled against mobile quarterbacks. They really have. So it's going to be interesting <laughs> to say the least. And they've been, and they've, and they've had the ball run, excuse me, ran on them. So, uh, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what miles does. You know, yeah. that's, it's going to be interesting. It really will. <laughs> I'm just going to do an intro and, uh, we can get started. All right, let's go. All right, Eagles fans. It is the final week of the regular season of 2020. Mathematically, the Eagles season is over following that loss to the Cowboys in week 16, but we still have one game left to play and it would not be the the cherry on top of the 2020 NFL season if the league did not put an NFC East matchup in primetime for the final game of the regular season and that's what the Eagles got dealt. We have Sunday night football against the Washington football team in week 17 and we're we're finishing this Eagles enemy season the way we started with friend of the show, my good friend Lake Lewis Jr. Welcome back Lake, happy new year and uh we get primetime NFC East to end the regular season. What a time to be alive. Exactly. Happy New Year to you too, my friend. Um, hey, you know, we started this thing and we get a chance to finish it. Ho- hopefully for you, it will be done after Sunday. And for me, it won't be. <laughs> it is an absolute mess the way this this division just ended up snowballing from the get-go. And... Who would have thought the Washington football team has a chance with a win on Sunday night to clinch this division with everything that's gone on, you know, from new coach to him dealing with his cancer treatments to this Dwayne Haskins situation, which I'm sure we'll get into, to Alex Smith's like redemption arc and him coming out and and playing football again. This has been a wild season for this Washington football team, probably to say the least. And from your perspective, what has it been like covering this team? I mean, yeah, this this year has been like none other. Um, you know, obviously with COVID and the measures taken as far as what we can see at practice, how long we're at practice, how we sit in the press box, how we can't have access to the field or locker rooms this year. It, it's 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 been something. And then when you go back to the product actually on the field play-wise, you go back to that first game that you and I, you know, broke down. Um being at that game, I, I vividly remember just seeing a Washington team that was young. Um, their defense started making plays, and you just you, you looked ahead. You said, you know, a couple of years down the road, they really could have something brewing here. Um, at the time, we thought quarterback play, you know, Dwayne Haskins may be the quarterback of the future at the time. Obviously, we know he's no longer with the team. But you just saw a team that looked like they were different. They were competing. They showed a lot of resiliency in coming back in that first game in the second half. And they finished that game with like eight sacks of Carson Wentz. The flip side of it was you saw an Eagles team that going into the season, people thought could be a real contender in the NFC. Um, I was one of them. I thought they clearly were going to be the cream of the crop in the um, NFC East division. I thought Dallas was going to be the most talented team, but I thought the Eagles were going to be the best, you know, more well-coached team, more seasoned team that had been there, done that. Uh, And what I saw in that game, Kyle, was 
an Eagles team that just looked like they were a mess. I mean, Carson Wentz looked bad. I mean, I, he looked really bad. There's no other way to say it. He was throw, making throws that you thought the kid on the other side of the fence would have been making those throws, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like what was he doing? What was he thinking? And I understood that he had a lot of pressure on him. And I remember that game. I think you guys came into that game without three of your starting offensive linemen, um, you know, who were pro bowlers, uh, Jason Peters, then Kelsey in the middle. And I uh, was another guy that was out. Um, um, your, your tackle. Exactly. Exactly. So, those guys were out and, um, you know, it played a part in the game, make no mistake about it, but it still just looked like a disjointed Eagles team and they didn't seem to have any camaraderie on the sidelines. And, you know, I thought it was just week one, they'll get through this, but that seems to be the story of them all year long and they're a mess right now. So we'll see what happens Sunday, but Washington has a golden chance to do the unthinkable. And, um, you know, had they not lost their last two games, I thought Ron Rivera should have been into under heavy consideration for NFL coach of the year, considering what he's had to endure himself personally and what he's had to overcome since joining this organization, as far as all the changes within the organization, the name change, the the sexual harassment um, situation. And then of course, you know, shoddy quarterback play. And so, uh, you know, until Alex Smith, you know, kind of studied the, the ship a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, Alex Smith don't know if he's, you know, going to be able to play in this game, but if he does, he's he's got to be the comeback player of the year just for stepping on the field this season. Oh, yeah. But yeah. for what he's been able to do since stepping on the field when he had to has been nothing short of remarkable. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that's a steadying force. You know, the guys like him in the locker room. He's a, he's a leader. He's a team guy. You know, he's not a me-first guy. He's a team guy. And everywhere he's been, he's had success. I know he's been kind of like, you know, uh, you know, sent away from all the places he's been, so to speak. <laughs> uh, but but you have to think of what he's been. He's been a mentor to Patrick Mahomes. He was a mentor to Colin Kaepernick. And those guys came in immediately and had instant success. Uh, you know, so um, Kaepernick went to a Super Bowl immediately after replacing Alex Smith. Patrick Mahomes went to a Super Bowl, <laughs> you know, I mean, with won an MVP, if I'm not mistaken, the year after, uh, you know, he uh, uh, Alex Smith left Kansas City, so naturally you you, you thought that that was going to happen here with Dwayne. Um, maybe not to that, that those greater heights like you know Mahomes and 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 Kaepernick had immediately, but just as far as just him being a steadying force. Well, what that's done is it may not have happened for the quarterback, but it's happened for the rest of the team. And these guys really believe in him, and, and they feel like obviously when he's on the field, they they're gonna. Not that they have a chance to win games, that they're going to win games. And and if you look at look at his record over the last, you know, four or five starts, they were like, what, four and one. So they were winning games. And I think um, a lot of people in D.C. would feel really good if they saw, you know, Alex Smith trot out on that field. Um, it's still iffy, still up in the air. People do feel better about Taylor Heineke. I mean, he played pretty well last week in relief of Dwayne Haskins. But as you know, when you come in the game cold, sometimes the defenses don't really know what to expect. And make no mistake about it, the Eagles brain trust, Jim Schwartz and those guys on defense have clearly tried to get all the film they possibly can from from Heineke from last week and from his days at ODU <laughs> at Old Dominion. <laughs> so they're going to know his tendencies. And, and hopefully, uh, hopefully for Washington fans, he can have a good game and propel them to a win if he indeed is going to be the starter because Alex can't play. 
What do you think went wrong with Dwayne Haskins? Because obviously this past week he gets waived by the team and, you know, all the the situations that have gone down with him this season from starting to being benched to all the off-the-field things. What do you think truly went wrong with Dwayne Haskins in wow. Washington? Well, I mean, you know, it's a tale of two years. You know, the first year, he, he make no mistake about it, he, he wasn't – necessarily the pick for Jay Gruden and his and his crew you know they they were in a situation where they knew they needed to win and win immediately or they were going to lose their jobs which ultimately it didn't even get him to week six before he did lose his job um so they weren't in the mood or or the mode of um bringing along a rookie because they needed to win so he kind of got the short end of the stick on that Dwayne did and they I don't think they handled that properly um but with that said the next year, which is this year, Ron Rivera really tried to give Dwayne all the tools that he needed, um, you know, from a from a leadership standpoint. This team still needs some more weapons on offense. Everyone knows that. Um, but they do have a really nice young receiver in Terry McLaurin, who's a who's a who's a potential pro bowler. Make no mistake about that. Logan Thomas, a tight end, has really come around and kind of solidified that spot. Um, you know, and they've got some other young guys that are that have that have grown over the past few weeks. I mean, uh, you know, a running back, um, Antonio Gibson has emerged. So they've got some young pieces, but with Dwayne, I think they were looking more from a leadership standpoint, more of a maturity standpoint. Because let's face it, when you're a quarterback in the NFL, you're held to a different standard. And for him to, you know, do some of the things that he's done. And, and I've been talking about these things here all week. And it's 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 like it's tiring. It's sad, but it is what it is. Um, I just think that when you don't have good performance on the field and maybe your practice habits are, are suspect and. Uh, and then you're you're following up doing off the field things that aren't good, especially not in this environment we're in right now with COVID and things like that. You have a coach that has cancer and, and you're out maskless, you know, round strippers. I mean, it's just not a good look uh, for, for anyone, let alone a young quarterback, let alone a young African-American quarterback. <laughs> I mean, it's just not a good look. So he. um you know, ultimately it cost him his job and cost him an opportunity to be in the league at this point. Do you think we'll see him in the NFL again? I do. I definitely do. I mean, first and foremost, I, I'll say this. Dwayne's a nice kid. He is. He's not He's not a jerk or anything like that. He's a, he's a, he's a nice kid. He's uh, engaging, but he's just uh, – he he's immature. And, you know, we all were at that point at one, at one time, you know, I, I, I remember 23. Um, well, I actually don't remember 23. It was so <laughs> long ago, but I just know that I still was doing things that I probably, you know, wouldn't do today. But I will say this, there's things that I'm doing today that I probably won't do 15 years from now, you know? So we're still, we're all still growing. We're never a, a, a finished product. And I, by no means am a finished product. I still have to be better friend, um, you know, better journalist, better father. I mean, just everything I can be better at, you know, that's anyone. So, you know, don't cast any stones at people. But with all that said, yeah, I think that Dwayne Haskins will be back in the NFL. I think he'll be back as early as next year on someone's roster. Um, will he be a starter? No, he won't be. Um, will he be a backup? That remains to be seen. Um, you know, a backup is a play away from being a starter. So uh, I, I think if anything, he definitely will be a third string guy on someone's roster. But he's going to have to rehabilitate his image. He's going to have to you know, upgrade his game as well. And until those things happen, you know, he's not going to be what 
this team thought he was going to be when they drafted him in the first round. Uh, but but the potential is all still there. It just depends on what Dwayne wants out of out of his football life. Right, for sure. And getting into this game, you know, you talked about Jim Schwartz earlier. He's uh, he's on the record saying that the Eagles have a no hat rule this week. Talking about they don't want you know Washington to have T-shirts and hats for winning the division. And I just think, <laughs> <laughs> from my perspective, the way that this season has gone for the Eagles, I think that's just would be catastrophic for the Eagles to win this game. You know, right. I, I think they need to lose. And every Eagles fan, I've said this on numerous shows on our network this week, we we need the Atlanta Falcons to come up big, which is a tall task, and we need the Houston Texans to come up big, another tall task. But it is hearing something like that, and you're the Washington football team looking to win the division for the first time in a while – Hearing Jim Schwartz say that, that's got to be some sort of bulletin board material. Am I wrong? Of course, it's bulletin board material. And and they're and, and knowing these guys here and, and, and coaches, they're they're going to say that they don't pay attention to that because they know they have to do what they have to do to win the game. But yeah, you you sometimes you need things to get you extra motivated um, to win a division. Though you you shouldn't need that much more motivation because you have a chance to do something. You also have a chance to make a little bit more money the following week. You know, you make playoffs, guys get paid a little bit more money. Um, there's some incentives now um, that can be met. And the irony of of this, my friend, is this is eerily similar to. Well, I remember being in Philadelphia 2015, uh, and I remember being in Washington's locker room after the game, and they were passing hats around, <laughs> NFC East champs, <laughs> and uh, finished 9-7 and seven that year. Um, the, the, the division was kind of down that year and, and Washington capitalized, but they had to, they had to fight and claw for that final game. And they kind of, you know, I, I say late in the third quarter, they started to separate and in the fourth quarter, they just, you know, they just, the Eagles, the guys had checked out. They, they were already making reservations for their vacation. So I, I think this game is going to be eerily similar to that. It's going to be a hard fought game early, but I, I, I just think that you know, when you know your season's over, you may come out with 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 the spirit of destroying another team's uh, season. But if that other team leans on you early, you're you're checking out. <laughs> you're going to tap out. And and I think that that's what Washington has to do. They can't have this game linger into the third or fourth quarter. They've got to jump on the Eagles in the first quarter. I mean, just jump on them and let them know, hey, go through the motions because it's over. That's how they could win this football game. Absolutely. And before we started recording, you know, we were talking about because this is a much different situation than week one when Carson Wentz was starting for the Eagles. It's Jalen Hurts now. And Washington has struggled against mobile quarterbacks looking at their their record here. You know, you guys have played uh, early in the season, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson. And then because of, you know, where it fell on the schedule, you got a matchup against Teddy Bridgewater last week as well. What do you think it is with this defense that has been getting a lot of credit and a lot of, you know, hype about how good they are? What is it about the mobile quarterback that they tend to struggle against because all of those matchups ended up being losses for Washington? Well, I, I think if you were to ask, like, what's the weak link on this team? Um, and, and not so much the weak link, but the weakest part of their defense, it's probably going to be the end. It's, it's probably going to be the middle of the field. It's going to be, you know, where the linebackers have to roam and make plays. And 
Um, I like some of their linebackers. I, I think um, John Bostick's not a bad linebacker. Um, Kevin Pierre-Lewis isn't a bad linebacker. I think Cole Holcomb could be a really good linebacker if he had another dominant linebacker beside him. Um, you know, they've got some some pieces in place. You know, Kalik Hudson uh, from Michigan is a guy that's starting to come on, another rookie, fine. So they've got some talent at the position, but – they just don't have that one like just dominant stout linebacker. And that's where, you know, mobile quarterbacks have given them fits because what happens is when you have edge rushers as good as Chase Young and Montez Sweat, who are always coming up the field, um, you know, and, and then you have interior defensive linemen that are pretty good too. The problem is once you get past that wave and that's where mobile quarterbacks can hurt you because they can be so slick and tricky that, you know, they can step up in the pocket and take off when the edge rushers are coming around. If they get, you know, you know, pass a Jonathan Allen or Deron Payne, um, Tim Settle, one of these guys, and they're now into the middle part of the field, they've they've caused big problems. <laughs> they really have. So, um, you know, fortunately for Washington, they've seen these type of players all year long. You know, they stay Carson Wentz. You know, a lot of people don't realize that. But Carson Wentz is one of the best guys at extending plays as far as with his legs um, in the pocket. He's similar to, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, who they've also seen. Um, but when it comes to just sheer athleticism, they've already seen Kyler Murray. They've seen Lamar Jackson. Um, Baker Mayfield's a guy that, 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 that can get around on you too. So they've, they've seen all these guys, Teddy Bridgewater last week, not necessarily known to be the most, you know, fleet of foot, but he's still adequate. And um, he, he got around on some people last week, you know, so hopefully they, they've, they've learned their lessons over the year. So, so that the grand finale, they'll, they'll be more equipped, uh, you know, and make Jalen Hurst beat them from the pocket. And that's that's what you have to do with that guy. You know, he's a guy that's coming on. And, and I think over the past two weeks, you've seen his flaws, too. You've seen the ups and you've seen the downs. Um, definitely a lot of upside with him. Um, I'm really impressed with his trajectory uh, with the Eagles, too. But, you know, you, you've got to make him stay in the pocket and you got to put a hat on him. I mean, you, the more you hit somebody, the more they think about you. And that's what they're going to have to do. And, you know, to add on to that, having played – Seattle and the Panthers back-to-back weeks it's got to be a little bit of a benefit to have you know just continuing to go at it with the mobile quarterbacks and having the amount of film that you're going to have on guys and you know playing against uh Kyler Murray early in the season playing against Baker Mayfield that kind of Oklahoma style of you know quarterback Mm -hmm. that's a big benefit I'd say for Washington oh without question I mean that's a great point too you know that all three of those guys come from the same system so Maybe they can pick up a tendency that, that you know, and I would kind of think that hopefully in the in the pros, they've changed their tendencies from those right. Oklahoma tendencies. But you never know. I mean, it could be something very simple as a, as a toe tap to get a, a person to go in motion. You just never know. Um, there's there's definitely things that all these coaches look for. And, yeah, the fact that they did play two other uh, you know, listen, not just Oklahoma quarterbacks, but two other Oklahoma Heisman Trophy quarterbacks. <laughs> former first Hopefully. overall picks, too. Absolutely. Former first overall picks. You know, I'm going to have to borrow this one today on my own podcast, man. <laughs> I, that's uh, that's some good stuff there, you know. Um, and, and you know what's funny? I didn't even think of this until you just said that. I, I don't know how many teams played three Heisman Trophy winners in the same season. 
and this team's done that. That's yeah. that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, yeah, Lamar's in there too. So that's that's pretty remarkable right there. <laughs> that's that is interesting. Wow, and, and the whole NFC East has done that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you think about that. Uh, that that's pretty phenomenal. I don't know if that's something that's. I mean, you would think, okay, if somebody does have a situation like that, they're probably playing some, you know, some some player or quarterback that's, you know, in their late thirties or something. Right. But but to get these guys and they're all what twenty five or under, that's scary. Yeah, and let alone one team doing it, four, you know, four teams doing it is uh, pretty yeah. wild. Exactly. Exactly. How, yep, I agree. How would you assess Ron Rivera's first year in Washington? Because like we said, you know, this NFC East has been up and down all year, but they've kind of been able to, you know, put themselves ahead of everybody else for the time being. How would you kind of assess everything with everything that's gone on uh, for his first year at the helm with the Washington football team? I've been impressed. Um, you know, you, you, you always look for positives, you know, when you have coaching changes and, well, we've seen some some coaching changes pretty rapidly here over you know my time covering the team. I've seen what four, and you know for me the first year was always a losing campaign with the new coach, and it was always a at the end of the year an assessment of what you have to build off of and going forward, what you needed to draft, and you know we're talking about teams that were having two three wins and. You know, this is totally different. This team has a chance to have seven wins, and let's 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 be up, abruptly upfront about this. Had Alex Smith not been injured, they realistically could have had eight or nine wins, and that's pretty remarkable coming off a one and five start. So, if anyone out there thinks Ron Rivera hasn't put his stamp on this team and this organization, they're delusional. I mean, he definitely has come in here and changed the culture. Um, the culture had to have been changed in order for them to be in the position that they're in right now to have a chance to win the division, regardless if it's a losing record or not, you still have the chance to get a, you know, a plaque, a banner or whatever you want to call it, a ring to be NFC East champs. And that's not something when you and I last talked, you know, back in September, anyone thought was even possible, uh, you know, had I known back then, I may have dropped some money on this team. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that culture change goes even further because, you know, there was so much, you know, that got turned over. And I think Jason Wright plays a big part in that, too. Um, Absolutely. You know, being the new team president. What have you made of him, you know, kind of just being open and out in the media as well? Former players. So I think that adds to it. But, you know, he's yeah. he's making you know, occasional appearances on the Pat McAfee show. He's putting himself mm -hmm. out there as a team president that I don't think a lot of, you know, other teams in the NFL, you know, allow or have their team president just being, you know, an open face to the world. Yeah. I mean, they've done it across the board. A good friend of mine too, Julie Donaldson, you know, uh, first and only female, at, you know, pro sports, you know, to be running teams media, um, you know, she's um, doing a great job being, you know, one of the you know new voices of the team. And, um, you know, Jason as well. I mean, they're very transparent people and, you know, they still engage and talk with fans on social media. And, you know, that's the way the world is now. You know, if you're an old guard and you don't like social media and you think it's too intrusive and things like that, you got to You got to You got to get on board because that's how you know, millennials, you know, young folks like yourself, you know, these, this is how this is how people are communicating now. And um, I think going forward, 
other teams are going to embrace the same this same way of doing business. And I think for Washington, it's been really good with the fan base because, you know, they've been so ironclad over the past few years. They 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 sold a product that looked like it was fan friendly and it was for the people, for the fans. And it was the polar opposite, actually. It was a screw the fans product. And we're going to do things how we want to do it. And they're so devout you know and loyal hitters fans they're just, they're gonna they're gonna you know drink the kool-aid whatever flavor we give it to them well fans caught on to that and when they had enough they had enough and fortunately the league caught on to it and sponsors caught on to it as well and they they pretty much made this outfit change overnight and that's where ron rivera comes in the credit and jason wright and julie donaldson and all these folks but you know the product on the field is the most important thing and I think you, with your own eyes, can see a young team that's only going to get better from here on out. I don't think this is a one-year wonder where the division was so bad, this team benefited from it. I disagree with that. I think that Washington and the New York Giants, for that matter, are, are young teams that are they're, they're on the cusp of turning and flipping this division over um, with a couple more additions and, and you know a couple more smart drafts. If Washington gets their quarterback position settled where they have a dog at that position, um, you know, they're going to be a dangerous football team. If the Giants on the other side, look, if they get Saquon Barkley back healthy and they can pick up a nice receiver in the draft, um, they're going to be a dangerous football team as well. So I think that the two teams that no one thought much about before the season started are actually going to be the two teams that people are going to be talking about quite a bit. Don't get me wrong. Philadelphia, Dallas, both have ridiculous talent. I'm just not sure if the message is being received in those locker rooms across the board. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with you. I think there's uh, there's going to be a lot of reshuffling uh, of this division over the next couple of years unless some serious change happens You know, for all of these teams. Uh, before we started recording, we also brought up you know Miles Sanders and how this team, you know, struggles a little bit with the run and, and being able to stop, you know, the, the running quarterbacks. I think the biggest issue with the Eagles and, and figuring out Miles Sanders this year is Doug Peterson has just put like a handcuff on him. And it's as soon as he hits like that 14 to 16 rushing attempt mark, it, it's over with. And Miles Sanders day is done. If Washington is able to, you know, attack the run and, and realize that if they shut down Miles Sanders early, Doug Peterson's going to go away from the run for whatever reason. I don't know if it's, you know, just him forgetting about it. If it's, you know, old school Andy Reid vibes, you know, when Andy used to get away from the run back in the day when he was coaching the Eagles, I don't know what it is, but if, if Washington stops the run, um, I, I would say this game is over <laughs> sooner than later, which would be good oh. for all of us on the East coast. Oh. Um, you know, what do you make of this team trying to stop Miles Sanders? Yeah, that's going to be tough. You know, Miles is, uh, first of all, you know, my, my tradition, uh, tradition on my podcast here. And when I make my uh, TV appearances is anytime the Penn Staters mentioned, I got to say we are, you know, that's my school. <laughs> so, um, you know, but, but, and, and, and I, I agree with you wholeheartedly about the fact that I, I don't know if, you know, what what it is with Peterson and, and what they're trying to do offensively where they don't ride the best player on that roster offensively, and it's Miles Sanders. And when Miles Sanders was in college at Penn State, <clears throat> 
forget when he was backing up Saquon. I mean, the year after Saquon left, Miles Sanders was a workhorse and he was a guy that was running in between the tackles. It was a different version than what you actually see in Philadelphia. I mean, where they're, they're using his elusiveness and speed and pass catching abilities a lot more than they did uh, with James Franklin and Penn state. So, so what that says though, is that he can be a workhorse. I mean, he proved it in the big 10, but for whatever reason, Philadelphia just seems like they get to a point in games where they try to get cute and it just is, it's not the look. I mean, when, when, when that team won the Super Bowl, people think, Oh, you know, high flying, they had, you know, uh, Deshaun and I mean, well, Deshaun wasn't there. I'm sorry. They had, um, Court uh, 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 exactly. They had Smith, and they had um, Alshon Jeffries was playing at a high level. So the thing is, is that people don't realize though that they still were a very physical football team, really physical on offense. They were utilizing their tight ends quite a bit too. Then, so I just think that you know, for whatever reason, they've gotten away from that identity. And a lot of that is, you know, you see Carson Wentz when he was playing. He's got a big arm and he can do so many things. But I think they put too much on his plate uh, where, you know, it messed up the flow of his game as well as the offense's game. That 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 offense is set up for, you know, a heavy dose of Miles Sanders, some play action. You go to you throw the ball deep down the field to Deshaun. I mean, how hard is that to, to consume? <laughs> you right. know, so uh, with all that said, though. If Washington can come out, stuff the run early and, and put the ball in Jalen Hurts' hands where he has to beat you from the pocket, then they've got a great shot. But if Miles Sanders is running the ball and being productive and and now it opens things up for Jalen Hurts to start running the ball out of the pocket and, and making plays with his legs and then, you know, uh, doing some play action, it, it could be real interesting. So hopefully that's not the scenario that unfolds. Yeah, and in this game, you know, who knows what the future holds for this guy that I'm about to bring up, but we both have gotten a chance to cover him uh, in his borderline Hall of Fame career. Yeah. Do, do you think this is the last time we see Deshaun Jackson suit up for an NFL game? Uh, No, I don't think so. <clears throat> I think Deshaun still wants to play football, um, and there are some teams out there that could use a guy with that still just ridiculous speed. You saw that. Uh, against the Cowboys yep. last week, <laughs> you know, he still has it. It hasn't gone anywhere. And regardless of his age, you know, there's, there's always a need to have a guy that'll take the lid off your defense. And, uh, you, you know, I, I, shoot, I'll throw it out there right now. I wouldn't be surprised if he's not there next year to maybe they entertain him back here, <laughs> you know, to, to, to help out a Terry McLaurin or someone, you know, um, I don't think you would have to pay Deshaun, the old Deshaun Jackson money, um, you know, so you could still get him at a, at a decent, a decent clip, um, you know, but, but there are other teams out there, you know, teams that are, that are, you know, far more along as far as being contenders that maybe he could, you know, uh, go to and, and, and help them out too. You know, a team like the Niners or a team like maybe even Arizona, you know, you could always add another weapon to go with a DeAndre Hopkins or someone like that. So, it just depends on if Deshaun still wants to play football, but I don't have any inclination that he doesn't. So, yeah, I could see him still playing. As if the 49ers need more speed receivers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, maybe, heck, maybe I don't know if New England would be a destination now, um, but there are teams out there. I mean, New Orleans. I mean, teams that are already winning, 
um, mm-hmm. you know, could use utilize a guy like that for sure to just give them more weapons. So I'm sure he'll be in high demand. Seattle, someone like that. I could see him out there doing something. So we'll, we'll see what happens. We brought up Miles Sanders, and I've been thoroughly impressed with Antonio Gibson this year. I think he was everybody's fantasy football darling uh, coming out of Memphis, but he's been super impressive just what he's able to do. His vision looks great uh, as a rookie. What have you made of his rookie season? And, you know, filling in for Adrian Peterson after he was released is a a tall task for uh, a rookie to do, but I think he's done it admirably, and I think Washington found – an absolute stud in this kid. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I've been really impressed with with Antonio. I mean, he's um, he's a hard worker. He keeps his nose down, um, you know, and he just goes out and, and plays. Um, you know, the toughness that he's bringing is it, it's pretty remarkable when you think about it. Because you know, he he not until later in his his time at Memphis did he, you know, play running back. I mean, they were using him all over the field, but he was really a a wide receiver. Mm -hmm. And uh, so for a guy to make the transition to running back in the NFL and, and, and of all divisions, this division where, you know, you deal with the elements and different things like that. um, It's, it's been nothing short of remarkable and he's only going to get better. You know, I, I was a little surprised that they not a little. I was very surprised that they released Adrian Peterson because they they had him on the cheap. Um, he wasn't making a lot of money, and he's a great locker room guy. I mean, um, you would think you know a Hall of Famer like that could definitely help. You know, to help the de- the development of these young running backs that this team has now. But they decided to go a different direction, and and you can't say that. It, it, it hasn't paid off because it has paid off in some ways. And again, that's another thing you have to, you have to give Ron Rivera credit for because that was a big gamble and it was a very unpopular decision here um, at the time. But Antonio Gibson's rookie campaign has kind of made people think, you know, going forward, okay, this is, this isn't bad. This is a good deal. I'm looking at Washington's roster right now and something just jumped out at me that I didn't even realize that Michael Kendricks, is a member yes. of the Washington football team. Sure I, I did he, not even know that happened. Yeah, he got picked up last week. And, uh, um, you know, he, he he's a guy that, that, that actually may get some burn this week, you know. Um, oh, I would but, be uh, shocked if he didn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, some people are like, oh, you know, they did that for the Eagles. No, they did that before the uh, before the, 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 the Panther game. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he's a veteran. He's a guy that you know when he's been healthy, he's been pretty good football player. I actually was surprised that he was available. Um, I was shocked that he was available. Um, I know he's had some injuries recently, but still, um, he's a good football player. So you know maybe he gives them something. I'm pretty sure he's eligible for this week. So you know that, how how fitting would that be for him to make a play against his former team oh he 1000 <laughs> percent is he and ronald darby if they are on the field are going to make some sort of ridiculous play and eagles fans will be throwing shoes through their televisions on sunday night because michael kendricks was a guy that i think a lot of eagles fans after the super bowl wanted him back for one more year but it was one of those like kind of not cap casualties, but the whole insider trading thing happened, and then exactly. it was just a it it unraveled itself from there. I, yeah, I'm yeah. shocked that you know, like you said, that he was available, um, but he is one thousand percent making some sort of big play in this game. There's wow. no doubt about it. 
Well, I'm sure I'm sure Washington fans will take you up on that offer anytime. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, if if Taylor Heineke is the one that goes in this game, what are you expecting? Uh, from this offense going up against an Eagles defense that is pretty banged up. Obviously, Darius Slay is back, got his first interception last week uh, in an Eagles uniform, but an Eagles defense that's pretty banged up, and Taylor Heineke, not the most experienced in terms of starting, but has starting experience under his belt and is familiar with Ron Rivera. Um, what do you make of this offense if it is Taylor Heineke rather than Alex Smith? I mean, well, Taylor's proven um... – you know, he showed it last week that he will put the ball down the field, and that's not always a bad thing. Sometimes it keeps defenses honest. The the, the issue is going to be Terry McLaurin. You know, their their best their best offensive player, uh, you know, skill set wise, has has been dealing with a high ankle sprain and kept him out of last week's game, and it's kind of slowed him down over the past few weeks. Um, they're going to need him out there, so that remains to be seen if he's going to play. I mean, I'm sure he's going to be listed as questionable. Um, you know, so if they can get him out there and get him, you know, at at least 75, 80 percent, that's a great thing for them. Um, you know, if you get Alex out there, uh, with, with Terry and, and, you know, they, they can play at 80 percent, you know, they'll win the game going away in my opinion. But if it's Taylor and you don't have, um, you don't have Terry McLaurin, it's going to be a tough one. I mean, it really will be. And you, you said it yourself, Darius Slay came back at a big interception last week. Um, you know, he's a pro bowl talent and got it. Maybe hasn't had the, the first season there that most people thought, but it, you know, so much stuff going on in Philly. It's not one man's problem. Um, it's a lot of things going on, but again, you know, if Washington's going to need to have all their pieces in place to really win this football game. Yeah, absolutely. And looking at it, if you had to pick somebody, you know, on the offense or the defense for Washington to kind of step up, make a play and, and be the, the guy that helps, you know, put the hats on heads and T-shirts on bodies for this Washington football team when the clock hits zero on Sunday night, who would you say is going to be that X factor? Week in and week out basis. Uh, you know, I've always gone back and forth with, with who I think on defense is going to be the player of the game for Washington. It's either Chase Young or Montez Sweat. Um, this week I'm I'm sticking with the theme, but I, I'm going Chase. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going Montez Sweat this week. I think he's going to have a big game. Um, it, you know, both those guys are dynamic. They're 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 you know have the potential to be two of the best uh, bookend um, defensive linemen in, in the NFL. They have a chance to be that special, to be the 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 premier force in the league. And uh, the Eagles fans have kind of witnessed that in week one. There's no reason for me to believe that you won't witness it either in week, uh, you know, week 17. So, yeah, I'm going Montez Sweat on defense. And then on the offense, I'm actually going um, Antonio Gibson, the kid we just talked about. Uh, you know, they started off last week against the Panthers running the ball very effectively. And it was almost like, wow, his toe doesn't seem to be a problem at all. Good. Keep doing it. And they went away from it. You know, he had a 6.1 yards per carry average last week against the Panthers, 10 carries, 61 yards. I'm almost inclined to tell you that nine of those 10 carries came in the first half. <laughs> and it just Sounds very Miles Sanders-esque. Exactly. I, I, I might even be more inclined to tell you that six of those nine first half carries were in the first, literally first quarter, you know. And then they went away from it. And it just everything snowballed out of out of control after that point. But this is the type of game 
um, you know, the, this Sunday where NFC East rivals, you know, teams that that, that know each other very well, um, whenever they've played, you know, it's it's the, the last couple games they've played, it's been fireworks. I mean, you go back to last year, the game up there, um, Washington, you know, had a commanding lead at halftime and ended up losing the game. So they've had some success there, um, you know, not a whole lot in recent memory, but they've, they've been able to do things offensively. It's just been defensively. They haven't been able to stop the Eagles. So uh, everything is set up for them to win this game. They just got to go out and take it from the Eagles and send them, send them, send them on their way to vacation. Yeah. The only thing I'm looking for outside of the Eagles losing this game is hopefully Brandon Graham getting the two sacks he needs to get to double digits for the first time in his career. That's the one thing I'm looking for from this Eagles team. Everything else, I couldn't care less. Just let the let the clock run. Antonio Gibson go to town and uh, let Washington clinch the division because this season needs to come to an end for this Eagles team for more than one reason. I agree. I agree. So before, before we wrap up, I got to ask you a question on your own show. Let's do it. Uh, so if if you know the Eagles do lose this game, which you guys seem to want for them for you know draft reasons and things like that, what's the direction you think they need to go in the draft? My I've been banging the drum for if you get to number three, it, it's through the trenches. You you can't pass on Panay Sewell from Oregon. A hundred percent agree with you. <laughs> he's he's my guy. Like it, it's very like. You know, when the Colts were high in the draft a couple years ago and they had, like, the sixth pick and everybody wanted them to take Bradley Chubb to help that defense and they went with Quentin Nelson and look what that's done for that offensive line. You need that anchor. Jason Peters should not be back on this team next year. He should be retiring. You need that anchor on the offensive line for an O-line that's getting older as well. And you just need some stability. And I think Panay Sewell could be your starting left tackle for the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah, he's 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 one of the best prospects at that position in, in in maybe two decades. That's how dominant he is. So the other question though is that if you don't get to number three and you're picking around five, six, or seven, and and he's gonna be gone off the board before that, where do you go after that? That's where I've been going back and forth. I think you have to go wide receiver. I, okay. it, whether it's, okay. you know, Jamar Chase or or somebody like that. You, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm, Eagles mm-hmm. for whatever reason since Deshaun Jackson and since Jeremy Macklin have failed to find wide receivers that have talent. And I think, you know, Jalen Rager has talent, but for whatever reason, we said it last night on our show, the Eagles have a a developing problem with talent, whether it's through the draft, through free agency. You look at all the guys that have been on this team that are thriving this year in the NFL, whether it's Nelson Aguilar, Mac Hollins, Sidney Jones would lead this team in interceptions this year. Uh, he's playing well for a, a Jacksonville Jaguars team that's going to have the first pick in the draft. Rasul Douglas playing well for the Carolina Panthers. It, it's a development issue, and if they can figure that out and you know get somebody in here at the wide receiver position to help whatever quarterback is going to be playing for this team next year, it, it needs to be done because they haven't really had a dominant wide receiver by themselves since T.O., I'd say. You know, Deshaun Jackson and, and Macklin were a great tandem. They worked well to balance each other out. But it's it's been since T.O., since a, a dominant wide receiver has been in an Eagles uniform. Yeah, I like, I like uh, you know, for Philly. I mean, Jamar Chase, you can't go wrong with him. But I also like um, 
I also like Devontae Smith, yes. you know, from Alabama. I, I think him and Rager, I, I think Rager, the problem with him is, you know, and I remember seeing him in week one. He actually wasn't supposed to play in the game, and he did. And the speed that he has is it's pretty impressive. I mean, for that size. But but he didn't strike me as a as a one A, you know, type of receiver. Right. And um, I think that's what it, a lot of Eagles fans are realizing <clears throat> now is like yeah. he's he's fast and we we've kind of seen a drop off in the speed a bit, and that could be chalked up to a number of reasons. Um sure. but he's definitely not, in my opinion, a one A type receiver. He's definitely a good, you know, complimentary outside guy put him in the slot and he's gonna burn somebody but uh, I totally have come to the conclusion he's not the one a wide receiver that I think the Eagles front office thought he could be I, I tell you a guy that I think isn't getting a lot of love that I mean scouts and, and, and us in the media you know we we know this guy's a, a special player um but don't forget Rashad Bateman from Minnesota <laughs> I, I think uh you know wide receiver He's a big wide receiver. He's fast. Um, he could be really, really special at the at the next level. I think he will be. He's clearly a first round pick. Um, some have him as a top ten prospect. Some have him going late in the first round. So it depends on where you guys fix, uh, where you guys pick. But I do believe that if you can get, you know, Sewell from Oregon, just like most any other team <laughs> if you can get that guy you got to go to the podium and take him um but but for the eagles if you can't get him i definitely think you guys have to go wide receiver you with, without question and and then also i think you guys might need to look at um an edge rusher as well <laughs> because yeah. I, I like the kid from uh was it from tennessee i like um i can't draw a blank now Derek um, barnett Derek barnett i like him i do but 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 you 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 guys need another dog at that position. You you really do. Um, yeah, because uh, Brandon Graham's not getting any younger, although he's playing well. You know how much longer right. is he going to be playing? And Barnett, he's had a good year this year, um, mm -hmm. but there's still been question marks about him. And luckily, you know, Josh Sweat has stepped up this year to prove that he's a he's a player, and I'm impressed yeah, by has. him. But they definitely do need you know more depth at that defensive end position because that's what they had in 2017, and it's a big reason why they won the Super Bowl. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Lake, it's always a blast catching up with you. Sunday is going to be absolutely wild. Let everybody know where they can follow you on social and check out all your work you do covering the Washington football team. Sure. I appreciate that. Uh, you can check me out on Instagram and Facebook at Lake Lewis Jr. You can check me out on Twitter at Lake Lewis. And then, of course, you can check us out on our on our website at uh, sportsjourney.com. Um, you know, we're doing a lot of good stuff. You know, I appreciate everyone who's 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 helping that project. And and then, of course, you can check out my podcast, which is uh, after practice with Lake Lewis. So as always, man, I appreciate you having me on and uh Sorry we couldn't do this a third time if it would have been a playoff game. Right. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I will be doing some playoff work next week. Though. Absolutely. <laughs> you, you deserve it. This team is is the one team I'd say that has earned it uh, from this division. So enjoy the playoffs, hopefully. And, uh, you know, going into the new year, have a, a safe, happy, healthy new year. And 2021 is only going to bring two more Washington football team Eagles matchups. So we'll have you back on uh, next season. Absolutely, my friend. I appreciate it as always. Happy holidays to you and your family, uh, and be safe. So there you have it, Eagles fans. I, You know my stance on this team over the past couple of weeks and what should happen come Sunday night, of all things, Sunday night football. Um, 
Lake Lewis is one of the best in the game covering the Washington football team. So his insights mean and carry a lot of weight for me, and they should for you as well. Um, this Washington football team, if Alex Smith plays, they should run away with this game. The Eagles should have no interest in trying to win this game for the betterment of the franchise. I know, you know, guys want to go out and win, and that's why I said, you know, when I was talking to Lake that I want Brandon Graham to go out and get two sacks in this game, get those double digits. He deserves it. Um, but this team overall, they need to learn some tough love. They need to go through some changes. Um, and the only way that that happens is by losing this game. Hopefully, you know, a Falcons win and a Texans win also occur earlier in the day. So we're, you know, pulling for that number three pick in the draft, which would be the highest the Eagles have picked since trading up to the number two spot for Carson Wentz back in 2016. Uh, which would be very exciting because it's essentially your pick of the litter of these draft picks because one and two are definitely going to be quarterbacks, and uh, we move from there. It has been a super grueling season in terms of watching this team, but you guys have made uh, Recording Eagles Enemies for a third successful season uh, from a podcast standpoint a blast. I love doing this show each and every week. I love connecting with different uh, reporters, podcasters, bloggers, team reporters, and everything in between on the Eagles schedule. It's a thrill just, you know, being able to book these people and them giving us the time of day for our small little uh, operation here. So from Lake Lewis to everybody else uh, that has come on Eagles Enemies this season, can't thank you enough for giving us uh, an opportunity to just sit down and chat and, you know, giving our network uh, a chance to you know talk shop and talk football so eagles enemies 2020 in the books now uh we're recording this in 2020 but you'll hear it in 2021 uh so hopefully everybody has a safe happy and healthy new year be safe be smart about doing things uh this year we're all in this together as they said in high school musical um but yeah eagles 2020 season is going to be in the books come you know 11 30 p.m eastern time sunday night and uh it's going to be an entertaining exhilarating exhausting and wild off season and september you know it'll be here before we know it and another season of eagles enemies will be back yes i am confirming here season four of eagles enemies will be back in 2021 it's too much fun of a show uh, to ever stop doing. So don't you worry about Eagles enemies being renewed. It's it's I can't wait for the schedule to come out uh, so we can start booking guests and everything. But make sure you guys are following us on social media at Underground PHI on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. Make sure you guys check out the website, UndergroundSportsPhiladelphia.com. I've got some Eagles things brewing for written content on there. You don't want to miss any of our stuff that goes up on the website that is also getting a revamp in 2021. And make sure you subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast. If it is Apple Podcasts that you listen to, which I believe like 90% of our listeners use, drop a five-star rating and review. Let me know how you feel about this game, how you feel about the offseason that is coming up for this Eagles team, and what you want to see done in the 2021 season and during the offseason going into the draft who you want this team to draft there's a lot of things uh 
to be done for this Philadelphia Eagles team, and it's just getting started with a loss to Washington on Sunday. So subscribe, five stars only on Apple Podcasts because we have standards. We know you do too. We are 39 five-star ratings and reviews away from 300. Let's make it happen in 2021. You can also follow us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadioRadio.com, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. And uh, we've still got content coming out. Don't worry. Just because the Eagles season is over, we'll, we'll still have Eagles content coming for you because, like I said, we're buckling in for one of the most wild and wonky and absurd off-seasons in recent memory. So, again, thank you to Lake Lewis and every single guest this season on Eagles Enemies uh, for making it a successful season three. And come September, or even August, if we have a preseason, season four will be back uh, right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. But this has been the season finale of Eagles Enemies, presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. For everybody here at USP, I'm KB. And as we always say, go Birds! but lose.